in the second chapter, and we will be starting in verse 11. And tonight, uh, what we will see and cover are two different families, basically. Both have to do with ministry, one starting out and the other one established, basically. But even though the setting in the context is in ministry, the lessons can be learned by all of us, by all families, young and old, whether you're starting off with your kids or they're old enough to make their own choices, even if they're up and gone already. I think a lot of it will minister to our hearts, hopefully, and I can do it some justice here. So chapter 2, verse 11, and we're going to go from verse 11 to verse 18 to verse 26. Well, 18 to 21, then 26. So chapter 2 of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel, chapter 2, verse 11. Then Elkanah went to his house at Ramah, but the child ministered to the Lord before Eli the priest. Verse 18. But Samuel ministered before the Lord, even as a child, wearing a linen ephod. Moreover, his mother used to make him a little robe and bring it to him year by year when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. And Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and said, The Lord give you descendants from this woman for the loan that was given to the Lord then they went then they would go their way they would go their own to their own house and the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters meanwhile the child Samuel grew before the Lord verse 26 and the child Samuel grew in stature and in favor both with the Lord and men. And so I want to go back to just kind of hanging out a little bit in verse 11. We're just kind of looking at Samuel's life first before we get into the other portion of chapter 2 here. But we see that Elkanah, and, and I was supposed to cover this verse last week and I just like blanked out on it. And so, but Elkanah and his family, and uh, they go home back to, to Ramah. And so last week when we left off with Elkanah and all his family, they were up in Shiloh for their yearly worship. And we kind of went through the whole thing of, of how they were up there. And Elkanah took his two wives, Hannah and Peninnah. And Peninnah had many children. And so they were used to going up with all these children. But Hannah had no children and she was barren for many years. And when Hannah finally had her first son, her first child, a son, she stayed home from their yearly venture up to Shiloh. She wanted to stay home to wean the boy, which was about three years, and then they would be weaned. So now that the boy is about four years old, they had taken their family up to go worship at Shiloh once again, and they would return with one less kid. And Hannah would, would, would come home without without any kids at that time, at that moment. Because Hannah had dedicated her son to the Lord, had given him over to the Lord, and literally had given him over. Because she had four years with him, basically, and and her vow was that, Lord, he will serve you all the days of his life. 
Not a razor will touch his head. He will be a Nazarite and he will be yours. And so this time when she makes that journey up with her husband after about three years, she goes and she hands him over basically. Gives him over to the Lord and she left the Lord to minister to the Lord. I'm thinking this is a (laughs) four-year-old. This is a four-year-old that's being left. The word ministered or minister means to serve, to do service, to be a servant, to wait on. Almost like a waiter or a butler would wait on somebody else. That's this little kid. He's four years old, basically, and he is being handed over. And it says that he ministered to the Lord. And in verse 18, it says, uh, but Samuel ministered before the Lord, even as a child. He ministered before the Lord. This this young child was being taught how to minister, how to serve. He, he, he was being taught how to serve in the most menial, basic tasks. I'm thinking, I'm sure they were teaching him what to do around the tabernacle because he lived there. He lived in the tabernacle. They, they were teaching him what everything was within the tabernacle that he could go into. And as a little four-year-old, they're telling him, this is this, this is that. This is why the Lord did this, and this is why the Lord did that. And this is why we have this and that. And so the kid basically lived at school. But this was going to be his life, so he would have to learn. And I'm sure that he was also being taught the basic skills that one would teach a preschooler and a, or an elementary school kid, along with the chores and responsibilities of a little boy as he's growing up in that little atmosphere. He, he's having to learn all these, these things that a child would have to learn. But they were all geared, even those menial little tasks of, of learning, everything was geared towards the priesthood because that was his calling as a child. That's what, that, that's what his mom had, had, had prayed for and that she would give him over and that's what's going to be his life. And I'm sure he looked really little, like real cute. Wearing a little ephod, you know, wearing the little robe. I'm sure he looked really cute. He looked like a mini me Eli, the priest. How cute, you know? It's like, you see Eli, this older man, dressed up in his whole garb, and you see this boy following him. I'm sure people are like, there's little Samuel. Cute little boy. And his little priest outfit that his mom would make year after year. And I'm sure every year, man, it got a little bigger. And it's like, man, oh man, this kid's growing like a weed. Man, I need more material for this little kid. Thank God they didn't have tennis shoes back then. You know, his feet were probably growing. It's like, just walking around barefooted. But his mom, his mom was diligent. Even though she wasn't with him all, all, all year long, she was diligent in preparing the things that were needed for this young man. And I'm sure that he was a typical little boy in many ways. But wearing the linen ephod and the robe set him apart from most of the other kids, most of the little boys his age. And it turns out that this kid was a blessing. 
He was a blessing to the priest. He was a blessing to the priesthood. And he was a blessing to the tabernacle. You know, we, we sometimes look at little four-year-olds, five-year-olds, six-year-olds, the kids that are running around here. And, and it's like, just have at it, man. They're growing up in the church. That's awesome. And I'm sure he, he did that. And I'm sure there was times that it was like, hey, hey, stop running. Hey, hey, knock it off. Hey, you know, but, but for the most part, when he had that linen ephod on and, and he had this, 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 this robe, it was business for him, even as a little kid. And he was trained in those ways. And he was probably trained to respect the temple and, and the things that, that came along with it. And as we see the contrast later on in our study, Samuel, Samuel was a breath of fresh air to the priesthood. He was, a, he, he, he was a, a kid that was needed in that period of time to bring a newness, to bring a freshness to the nation of Israel that had been struggling for so long as God was beginning to move in and around Israel. This young little boy had such a responsibility, he didn't even know it, that God was going to use him in such a powerful way. And he was a kid. And I, I love the fact that we have, and I've watched kids grow up in our ministry here, little kids that were running around that are being used of the Lord, either here or in other places. And I just find that fascinating that even though they're, 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 they're kids, things are already being poured into them by their families and even by their Sunday school teachers or, or however the, the case may be. But these little kids are beginning to be blessings to other kids. You know, I was blessed to just have Kevin share in communion the other day because he, he came to us as a J-hire when they moved up here. And just to watch this little young man grow up and become a man and, 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 and to do the things of God, and not just him, but there's been many. And, and, and to see a young man like that, even within our church, and I know we have some younger people around, but to see a young man like that is a breath of fresh air. To know that, that there's young men that are serious about walking with the Lord. They have a commitment. They have a consistency even in their young lives. To have young men that, that are back there, that, that are on worship teams and are young women that are singing and doing all these things. And it's like, guys, that should be a, fresh air, a breath of fresh air for all of us. That God is working in and among even this little fellowship. But, but Eli would, would bless Elkanah. It, it's as if Elkanah and, and Hannah had used their time with Samuel in the first few years to really instill in him the calling that God had for him. In the first four years that they were constantly around him, they, they did something, they instilled in them the, the ways of the Lord. And Eli was receiving the blessings. To when, when they left him, he was going to be a blessing for them. And it's almost as if Eli was going to get it right this time with, the, with this young boy. As we'll read about his sons later on. If he failed with his own, he wanted to get it right with this one. And, and, and Eli's blessing to Elkanah and Hannah was, man, I wish you have a dozen of these young men. <laughs> May the Lord bless your descendants from this woman. Because if this one's a blessing, what more can you guys do? 
as if Eli could see the growth and maturity in this little boy year after year as he's growing up. And I have no doubt that when his parents came to see him, they continued to instill in him the godly values that they themselves held and were consistent in. There was a consistency in these parents and they were able to, to, to pour that into their kid and hopefully the rest of the kids. And even though Elkanah and Hannah only came once a year, I'm sure they came a little early and they left a little late just to hang out a little longer with their son. But they were engaged throughout the year in preparing things for the sacrifices for sure, but also for this young man that was growing, that was ministering to the Lord. And in this case, like so many instances that we read about, we know about, the Lord visited Hannah. She was patient, for sure. She had cried out, for sure. And the Lord had answered her prayer. But, man, I know that it doesn't always happen in every instance, in these people that are faithful, that are barren. But in this instance here, Hannah cried out, and the Lord, at the right time, gave her a son. And, 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 and when, when they were faithful to, to fulfill what God had called them to do, all of a sudden they are getting blessed exceedingly abundantly above all that they could ever ask or think. And they have five kids, or she has five kids. And what we see here is a couple that was consistent in their relationship with the Lord. And I don't know if, if how, how his relationship with Penina was. We don't even hear about that lady anymore. But be that as it may, with this lady that, 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 was, that was wholly devoted to the Lord, Elkanah had this consistency with the relationship with her through good times and in bad times. They didn't waver from their relationship with the Lord. They continuously went year by year to worship. But I could imagine at their, their home, that it was a place where, where the Lord was there and ministering as well. Now, I know that we are not guaranteed that all our kids would turn out like a Samuel. <laughs> but there's something to be said about parents that are consistent that consistently walk themselves because their kids are watching. And, and we as parents are always showing our kids lessons. Always. It's interesting because when your kids get older, and some of you guys may have gotten feedback from your kids that are older, and they're telling you things that they saw when they were little in your life, and you're going, oh my goodness, they were watching. <laughs> and they were always watching. They were always noticing those little things. Hopefully they remember the consistency of you reading your word or spending that time or making sure that they were in fellowship because you were in fellowship. See, all, all those things that the kids catch on with because if there's no consistency, the kids catch on to that. They understand. But we see that these parents here, they were consistent in, in, in just continuing to pour into their son. And it says in verse 21, Meanwhile, the child Samuel grew before the Lord. 
he grew and he continued to grow. And then in verse 26, and the child Samuel grew in stature and in favor both in the Lord and men. We're with the Lord and with men. And it's almost the exact same thing that was said about Jesus when he was a little child in Luke uh, 2.52 where it says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Now, we, before we get into the sons of Levi, and not Levi, Eli, let me share with you a little bit about the priesthood and the, and, and the priests, just so we can catch a little bit of, of, of what this, the rest of this chapter is talking about, in case you're not familiar with. The, the priesthood came from the tribe of Levi, one of the sons of Jacob, and so that's where the priesthood would, would, would spring out of, the tribe of Levi. But they could only serve as priests from the line of Aaron. Aaron would be the one that carried that priesthood, that, that did the priestly duties. But if you were from the tribe of Levi... You could serve in the tabernacle or in the temple in different aspects of it, but you couldn't be a priest. You had to come from the line of Aaron there. Aaron had four sons. Nadab, Abihu, uh, Eleazar, and Ithamar. But the two older ones, they died. They died early on. Because they brought strange fire or profane fire into the tabernacle and the Lord killed them. <laughs> he didn't mess around. And he killed them before they had any kids. So there was no line to continue with those cats. But they died. And so it left it to the two younger ones. And Eli was the descendant of Ithamar, the youngest. And that's important to note because when we read in a little bit towards the end of this chapter, it's important to note that, that Eli was from Ithamar um, because there's going to be a shift that happens in that line. Now, the tribe of Levi did not get an inheritance when they divided the land, when they got into the promised land. The Levites, because they, they were in the priesthood, in that area, they didn't get a, a, a portion of land because the Lord was their inheritance. And, and everybody else, all the other tribes would take care of them because they would be divided up into different parts of Israel. And everybody would take care of their needs. All the other tribes would, would provide for them as they brought the, the offerings to the temple. So the priests lived off of what was assigned to them by the Lord, by the law of Moses, basically. And there were strict rules that came along with, with being in this type of service. To, to, to be either from the line of, of, of Aaron that were the priests or part of the whole priesthood as a whole. There were specific rules that they had to adhere to. Even down to the part of meat that they were to receive. And so now we can read a little bit about the sons of Eli. And so we're going to read verses 12 to 17 and then 22 to 25 and then from 27 to the end of the chapter. Now the sons of Eli were corrupt. They did not know the Lord. And the priest's custom with the people was that when any man offered a sacrifice, the priest's 
servants would come with a three-pronged flesh hook in his hand while the meat was boiling. Then he would thrust it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot, and the priest would take for himself all that the flesh hook brought up. So they did in Shiloh to all the Israelites who came there. Also, before they burnt the fat, the priest's servants would come and say to the man who sacrificed, give me for roasting to the priest, or give meat to the, for roasting to the priest, for he will not take boiled meat from you, but raw. And if the man said to him, they should really burn the fat first, then they would take as much, then you can, you may take as much as your heart's desire. But he, but he would answer, then he would answer him, no, but as, but you must give now, and if not, I will take it by force. Therefore, the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. Verse 22, now Eli was very old and his, and he heard everything his sons did to all Israel and how they lay with the women who assembled at the door of tabernacle of the tabernacle of meeting. So he said to them, why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil dealings with all the people from all the people. No, my sons, for it is not good a good report that I hear. You make the Lord's people transgress. If one man sins against another, God will judge him. But if a man sins against the Lord, who will intercede for him? Nevertheless, they did not heed the voice of their father because the Lord desired to kill them. Verse 27. Then a man of God came to Eli and said to him, Thus says the Lord, did I not clearly reveal reveal myself to the house of your father when they were in Egypt, in Pharaoh's house? Did I not choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer upon my altar, to burn incense and to wear the ephod before me? And did I not give to the house of your fathers all the offerings from the children of Israel made with fire? Why do you kick at my sacrifice and offerings which I have commanded in my dwelling place and you honor your sons more than me to make yourselves fat, make yourselves fat with the best of all the offering of Israel, my people. Therefore, the Lord God of Israel says, I will indeed, I say indeed that your house and the house of your father would walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, far be it from me. For those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me, I will lightly esteem. Behold, the days are coming that I will cut off your arms and the arm of your father's house. So there will not be an old man in your house. And you will see an enemy in my dwelling place, despite all the good which God has, God does for Israel, and there shall not be an old man in your house forever. 
but any of your men whom I do not cut off from my altar shall consume your eyes and grieve your heart and all the descendants of your heart of your house shall die in the flower of their age. Now this shall be a sign to you, be a sign that you, uh, that will come upon your two sons on Hophni and Phinehas. In one day they shall die, both of them. Then I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who shall do according to what is in my heart and in my mind. And I will bind, build him a sure house and he will walk or he shall walk before my anointed forever. And it shall come to pass that everyone who is left in your house will come and bow down to him for a piece of silver or a morsel of bread and say, please let me in one put one put me one put me in one of the priestly positions that I may eat a piece of bread now when when it says in verse 12 that the sons of Eli were corrupt the, the King James puts it this way the sons of Eli were the sons of uh, Beliad or Beliard Beliard Belial, Belial, were the sons of Belial. Now, the translation, uh, most translations have a little footnote that refer to the sons of Belial. And the, the name Belial means worthlessness. And in the Old Testament, they, it was a term that was designated for godless or lawless men. And the New King James translates Belial um, in terms like corrupt, as we see here, but also perverted rebel, scoundrel, worthless men, worthless rogues. And when Hannah was accused of being drunk in the first chapter, and she said to Eli, don't consider me, or don't, don't consider your maidservant as a wicked, wicked woman or a daughter of Belial. And it is found in the New Testament in Second Corinthians 6.15 when Paul is referring to the difference between light and darkness. He says, what accord has Christ with Belial? And, and it was used as a name for Satan, and it personified what was evil. This is who the sons of Eli were. They, they were corrupt. They were from the sons of Belial. They were worthless men. And not only that, it says that they didn't even know the Lord. Now, we need to distinguish between those who don't know the Lord but are in the world and those who don't know the Lord but are serving in church. You see, what we learn here is that the sons of Eli were, were priests themselves. And I'm sure they were raised by Eli. We don't hear about Eli's wife, but I'm sure they were taught just the same way he was teaching Samuel. They were taught the law of Moses. They were taught everything to be into the priesthood. They understood what the law of Moses said about the portion of meat, and yet they disregarded it. The, the, the priests were allowed to take the breast of the animal and the right thigh, and they were to meet, burn the meat or burn the fat off the meat. Of the, uh, and, and because of the daily sacrifice, there was always enough for them. 
They always had what was necessary because God provided for them because God was their inheritance. That's what the priests were supposed to do. And when everybody came once a year, they had more than enough. And yet, the priests, these guys were to, to be a simple people. They were supposed to be a humble people because they didn't have an inheritance. They didn't have anything. All they had was the Lord, and that was enough. And that was, that was what they were supposed to live off of. And they were supposed to serve and minister to the people of God because they represented God to the people and the people to God. And yet we have here that, that these guys who had everything they needed, everything that was prescribed for them, they began to, to make a racket out of it. And they became worthless men. They didn't even know the Lord. They didn't even have a relationship with Him. They became greedy in, 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 their, in their desires. So much so that they were breaking the laws of Moses in all kinds of ways and the laws of the priesthood to where even the regular people knew what the priests were supposed to do and knew what was allowed to them. And when they tried to encourage them to say, hey, why don't we just burn the fat first? Because that's what you're supposed to do. And they would turn around and threaten them. It's like, if you don't give it to me, I'll just take it by force. Can you imagine? That, that, that was the church they were going to. <laughs> Every year they, they would go and that their pastors or their, their leaders were treating them in this way. And yet they had no other temple to go to, no other tabernacle. They couldn't be like, well, I'm leaving that church. I'm going over here. No, that was the only temple, the only tabernacle. This is where they went to go worship God. And the, peop- the place that they went to worship God was corrupt because the priests were corrupt. And it's not like, well, we're just going to get rid of that guy and we're going to bring another guy in. And it's like, no, I'm sorry. This is the line of the priests and this is who you got. And it was so bad, it says, that men who came year after year, they abhorred, they, they, they detested and loathed the offering of the Lord because these worthless men were so awful that they caused other people to hate coming to the temple. And I'm thinking, what? You know, we, we, we read how God would just snuff out people here and there and how He did to the, 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 the sons of uh, Aaron. When they brought profane fire, he, he snuffed them out this quick. But in this situation, he let, he's lets, lets it linger year after year. These guys were doing this for quite a while. And the people knew what was going on. But they had to come. That was the only place they could go to. But they did do something about it. They went and told Eli what was going on. Now understand this, Elkanah knew all about the sons of Eli. He knew everything about them because I'm sure he probably had been a victim of them or their servants. And yet he still leaves his son with this man who had these sons. <laughs> and you know what came to mind? It's almost like they, they, they took their kid to the Christian school and said, here, raise my kid, help raise my kid. It was worse than putting them, I don't know, wherever, in the, in, in the shipping docks. <laughs> it, it, it was worse. And, and, and what it told me was, here, it doesn't matter where you take your kids, you know. I mean, it does. Don't, don't get me wrong. But we need to trust that the Lord is going to raise our kids, help raise our kids, that He will have His hand upon them because 
Elkanah knew about these guys, and he still let 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 their kids or he let his kids go and live there. And this was supposed to be the right place to take their kids. And yet there's bad influences even there. And in verse 22 to 25, it says, Now Eli was old, and he had heard everything. Everything that that his sons did. He heard how they were laying with the women that worked at the temple or the tabernacle. These ladies gave themselves over to serve there at the church. He he had heard about the meats and all that stuff, but he heard about what was going on with the women as well. And I'm sure Eli had talked with them time and time again about what they were doing, but these guys did not even fear the Lord, so they didn't even fear their father. And I think that they knew that he was all talk and no action. But how do you take action against your own kids, right? <laughs> Even when they're doing bad things. You've got to love them, right? Huh. I'm sure Eli had told those who came and told them, hey, this is what's going on. I'm sure he said, well, I've talked to them. They're grown up. They're doing whatever they want to do. I'm telling them that what they're doing is wrong. What am I supposed to do? Again, if, if his kids were out in the world, that's one thing. They're doing the things of the world out there. But they were in the priesthood with him. They were serving alongside of him. And he was letting this continue to go on. <laughs> what he should have done is take them to the elders of the city and had them stoned to death. That's what he should have had done. That would have been taking some action, right? And you're going, oh, come on, Zeke, don't get all crazy here. Go kill your kids. It's like, no, that's what they were supposed to do. Because they were profaning the temple. They, they were breaking the law time and time again. And they were supposed to, he was supposed to, but that was his kids. How could he do that? How could he turn them in that way, right? The least he could have done is just kick them out of the priesthood. At least it's like, you want to live, live like a son of Belial? Go. Go sit, live a worthless life, a corrupt life. But he didn't even do that. And again, this is where it becomes difficult with us as, as parents because it's like, oh, well, that's my kids, you know? <laughs> the very least, kick him out. But he didn't even do that. Eli knew what they were doing, that they were making the people of God transgress and he still did nothing. And it was his responsibility to deal with something like this because God had given him the authority to deal with others, to judge them because he represented God. And yet he didn't. He shook off his responsibilities because it was his son's. All sin is against God. I understand that. And the high priest who represents God to the people could intercede for the people because he represented God to them. 
But these guys had gone too far. And they would have no one to intercede for them, as it says in verse 27. It says, man, if you're going to do this, man, who's, who, who's going to stand in the gap for you? You see, it's, there's a phrase here in verse 25 where it says, Nevertheless, they did not heed the voice of the Father because the Lord desired to kill them. <laughs> that could be troubling when you hear that. It's like, what? God wanted to kill them? So he was allowing that to happen? What, what, what is that all about? It, it means that they had sinned a sin unto death. And at this point, it was a mute point. God was going to take care of it because Eli had not taken care of it. And if you remember back in 1 John chapter 5, verse 16, where it says, if anyone sees a brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask and he will give him life to those who commit sin not leading to death. But, and then he says, there is a sin leading to death. I do not say that you should pray, for, pray about that. It's almost like, let God deal with it. And these men had gotten to that point that God was going to deal with them. Oh, it would take a little while, but God was going to deal with them because they had chance to, to repent and they never did. They had continued to move on and their dad who should have interceded for them or, or intervened and, and, and cut them off or did something, he did nothing. And so when we get to verse 27, to the end of the chapter, it says, Then a man of God came to Eli and said to him, and he began to, to run down, Hey, didn't I call your father? Didn't I do all these things? Didn't I do all these things that I, that, that I said I was going to do? And your house, and, and, and there was, should be priests forever, but far be it from me. You know what? I'm not going to do it. it, it God, God, God had changed it. He, he, he was going to take him out of that situation. Now, when a man of God shows up and we know nothing about that man of God, we don't know his name or anything, it cannot be a good thing. And that's who this man was. He came to bring judgment, to tell him to, that, that he was going to, 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 to take away the line of Ithamar and, he was, and it would take about 120 years in the days of Solomon and he would switch it to the line of uh, Eliezer through Zadok, the priest. But I think verse 29 is one of the most solemn warnings that we could ever have in scriptures. When he says in verse 29, as we'll close up in a little bit, it says, why do you kick against, uh, kick at my sacrifice and my offerings, which I have commanded uh, in my dwelling place, and you honor your sons more than you honor me, and you make yourself fat with the best of all the offerings of the children of Israel? The you here includes not only Eli, but his sons. He was as guilty as his sons because he didn't deal with it the way he should have. And he says, and you made yourself fat off the best of the offerings as well. He honored his kids more than he honored God. And this was a dangerous place he put himself in and he put his kids in. Because he honored his kids more than he honored God. And can I just put it this way before we close up? Or maybe we'll just stay a little longer. <laughs> Guys, whether you're young or old, whether you have young kids or older kids, 
we put ourselves and our kids in a dangerous place when we honor our kids more than we honor God. How? By showing them that there are more important things to do than to do the things of God on a regular basis. How do we do that? By showing them that we, we will spend money on other things instead of giving to God first. The offerings that should be taken to the Lord and given to the Lord, they're being taken and doing other things with it. Now guys, don't get me wrong. I'm not opposed to vacations or extracurricular activity. I am not opposed to any of that. If there's a balance going on that you are showing your kids that God is important over all those things. Because there's a sacrifice that belongs to God and people are taking that and honoring their kids with it. And it puts them in an in a, in a, in a awkward situation because those kids are in danger of not following the Lord like Eli's kids because he didn't want to tell his kids we can't do that because we need to be in fellowship or we need to be wherever uh, and doing the things of God. And again, guys, I'm not, I, some of you guys might be going like, oh, you just want them all here. Absolutely, I want them all here. Why not? You see, people will be too tired to make it early morning on church because oh, they're just too tired. They've spent the whole Saturday on the fields or out and about and they've done stuff with their kids because, man, this is what we do all day long. And they're too tired to show up on Sunday morning. But even if they're too tired, they will make it to that early morning game if there's a game on that Sunday morning. They will drag their kids and they will run back to that field. Guys, I've seen it all too many times. And I think oftentimes they think like, oh, we're only dealing with God. I don't want to have to deal with that angry coach. And we paid a lot of good money to put our kids in these programs. And so we have to go over there. And that's what we're teaching our kids. We teach our kids time and time again about those kinds of things because we say this is more important. And we're investing over here where you should be investing or they should be investing in the things of God. And see, they're probably not investing in the things of God because they have so many other things. And I was thinking this the other day and I know I shouldn't say it, but I'm going to say it. People are... (laughs) They're driving all over the place to take their kids everywhere and they're spending all kinds of money. And again, if you have it, go for it. But if you're not investing in the kingdom of God either, then you're teaching your kids that that is more important than investing in the kingdom of God. And so when he says, you honor your kids more than me, it's a serious issue. Because even as adults, we can do that with our adult kids. We need to be careful with that. That we are doing and giving God everything first. That we are in, in, in His will first and foremost before we're doing anything. And He will let us go do all those other things. But let's be faithful to, to honor God with everything because we don't want to show our kids that, that, that we honor them more than we honor God. We need to be careful with that. And if there's a balance, guys, it can be done. I know it. I know that it can be done. The offerings that were to go to God have been taken and have taken a backseat in an effort to honor our kids. And so pretty soon, the kids will not heed the voice of their father when he says, get up, we need to go to church. They're going, Dad, 
so tired. We, we, we never used to do it before. <laughs> and now you're wanting me to get up. We, we usually slept in because it's the only day. So many people. And again, guys, you know, I'm not trying to throw a guilt trip, but you know what? I'm throwing a guilt trip out there. Because I don't want you to be in the same place where one day God says, you know what? You've been honoring your kids more than you've honored me. It's a dangerous place to put yourself and it's a dangerous place to put your kids. And you truly need to to have that balance. You see, it would not end well for the sons of Levi. It's not going to end well. They didn't heed their father. And they could have blamed their father, but you know what? Ultimately, it was on them. But Eli suffered as well. And they brought him shame because he let them do what they wanted to do. Because it's all about the kids, right? (laughs) No, it's not. It's all about holiness. It's all about holiness. You know, I've I've often heard this term, a happy wife is a happy life. Sometimes men don't want to fight with their wives because they want to keep them happy, but it's not about a happy wife. It's about a holy wife. It's about a holy wife, and men stand up to your wives and say, no, this is what we ought to be doing because that's the way it should be. And so let's close right there on a happy note. Jesus, thank you once again, Lord, for your word. Lord, as we see the contrasts here, we see, Father, the family, Lord, that had a heart to truly pour everything into their son in the ways of God. And I know that they weren't guaranteed in one sense, Lord God, but they were doing everything possible to make it happen. And when we see the contrast on the other side of these young men who were married, (laughs) who were out sleeping with other women, and they were breaking your laws left and right, Lord. There was a consequence. And we see that, Lord God, as you took away the priesthood from this line of of family, of Ithamar, Lord. And even though judgment didn't come swiftly for the line, it came eventually. And I pray, God, for our brothers and sisters here. That, God, they would truly desire to be holy like you are holy. That they would set themselves apart, Lord God, for your glory and that they would set their kids apart for you. And they would dedicate them to you, Lord. And that they would have a fine balance in their life, Lord. That they would teach their kids about God and the importance of serving and fellowshipping. So, Lord, please, Lord, be with our church, Lord. Help our body, Lord God, to truly look to you for wisdom and understanding. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys.